You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Graham, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're solving questions about putting controversial books into little free libraries or taking those books out. Get to choose. We're going to talk about both of them. Uh, And we're also solving traveling Libby problems and recommending queer books. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am listening to, all right, have I told you my Sarah J. Moss stuff, my story, my Sarah J. Moss story? Have I talked about this yet on the show? Is it a new story? Well, it's that, you know, I read Crescent City and I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. I do really enjoy this book. I really enjoyed it. But the Sarah J. Moss diehards, when I tell them I'm reading Crescent City, they're like, well, did you read Court of Thorn and Thorn and Roses? And I'm like, no, I haven't read A Court of Thorn and Roses. And then... They basically take me out and whip me to death uh, <laughs> to the street, to the middle of the street and whip me for not reading A Court of Thorns and Roses because I have thorns and roses. I'm even saying the name wrong. Maybe, I bought this book because of you. A Court of, Thor- of Thorns and Roses. You bought this one or Crescent City? I bought A Court of Thorns and Roses. Thorns and Roses. Like, oh. It's multiple thorns, Mallory. Well, that's the thing. I was like, oh, it's the Sarah J. Moss horny fairy book. I'll buy this. And then I, I, I think I texted it to you and you were like, oh, that's not the one that I have. And I was like, shit. It's not, but it's the first one in the series that relates somehow to Crescent City. Now, am I yes. three-fourths of the way through it with it, and I don't know how it relates to Crescent City? Yes. <laughs> so I am. I don't know. I have not quite figured that out, but it is very fun. Um, it is much more, um, you know, there's like two kinds of fantasy. There's, there's city fantasy and woodsy fantasy, right? And this is yes. a woodsy fantasy book. It is about... Um, uh, this young human woman who kills this wolf in the woods, and oh no, turns out the wolf was like a fairy, um, uh, like who was in wolf form. And she, these fairies show up to her house and they're like, and the fairies are like evil, but also sexy. And uh, they show up to her house. <laughs> That's and, what she should just call her books, evil, but also sexy. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, and and uh, basically these fairies show up to her house and she's like the breadwinner of her family. Her family, uh, it's her sisters and her father. And she is the hunter who goes out and hunts because they used to be rich and they lost all their money. So now she's in charge of everything. And um, uh, these, uh, the, the fae, uh, the fairies show up to our house and they're like, um, you killed one of ours, so we're essentially going to take you back and you have to come and live with us forever. Um, and so she has to go to this new land, but honestly, it's very fancy when she gets there. And it's pretty... Uh, She's like, you know, okay, it's I'll horrible take this. She hates these people. Like, she hates the fae. She hates them with a passion. And then she, of course, things start to change. Um, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it's great so far. I mean, I see why people love these books. They're very, um, familiar yet new, if that makes sense. You know, like I understand the story. Like, it's not like you have to reteach me the rules of this kind of world. Like I kind of can understand it, but you have these like interesting characters and this like sexy fairies and uh, so it's, it's great. It's very fun. Um, I'm excited to read it. I do really want to read Crescent City too. So hopefully none of these Sarah J. Moss fans are going to come to my house and, Make me read the next one in this one. No, they're going to come to your house and be like, you have to come live in the land of fairies forever <laughs> until you read these books. <laughs> they're they're going to have, I want to read the next Crescent City, but I know there is like an order to them that like, I should post this because there's an order that someone sent me that you should read them in. Because then like one book, you actually like someone figured out how to divide it in half. 
to read it oh because God. it's told from two different perspectives. I'm already stressed out. Here's by the this. thing: the people who love these books, like I see why they love them. The worlds are really well built. The characters are really relatable, and like it's just they're very fun books. And uh, Mallory knows I've been like a little sick this last week, and so it's been really like just to escape into this Sarah J. Moss world, the world of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I keep calling thorns; it's multiple thorns. Um, anyway, having a great time with it. So thank you to everyone who has basically basically walked into my house and stood by, next to me while I fin- read this book because they felt like I read them in the wrong order. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I uh, it took it took several people like shaming me, and then I finally decided to read it. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, well, you know that I've been on a frantic. Uh, chase to read as many 2023 books as I possibly could before this episode got recorded, which is today. And I'm still in the middle of two books. So instead of talking, putting them in in the best of list, which this one might be, but I didn't finish. So I'm just going to talk about it here. It's one of my most highly anticipated books of the year. It's An Island Princess Starts a Scandal by Adriana Herrera, who wrote my favorite romance novel of last year, which is a Caribbean heiress in Paris. And like a lot of romance series, this is... Like the main character of this series was one of the supporting characters in the first book. But what's interesting is instead of happening after the events of the first book, this book is the, it's concurrent with the other one. Like in the first book, you kind of hear about this character and what she's doing off to the side. And this is the book you find out what's happening. So they're both, both these books are actually happening at the same time. It's really interesting, but it's about this, um, uh, this young woman, like, so this all takes place in, like, the late 1800s. I think it's 1889. Her and her best friends, they're in Paris for the summer. And she's there because even though she's a lesbian, she has not come out to her parents. Nobody knows but her friends. And she's agreed to this sort of, like, business deal kind of marriage. And they're getting this. She's marrying this guy that she doesn't love. And he knows she doesn't love him. She knows he doesn't love her. But it's, like, a business deal. And they're, like, whatever, it's fine. Uh, but she has this one summer in Paris until they get married. And she's like, all right, I'm going to have all the the gay debauchery as I possibly can in this one summer. And she's also there to do a business deal of her own. She does through like some legal stuff. She does own a part of land on the island that she lives on and she is going to sell it so she can, uh, you know, have her parents won't be in control of it. She'll have some money of her own. And turns out that the woman that she, that wants to buy it is hot mm. and also very gay. Oh. And so she strikes a deal. She's like, all right, I'll sell, sell you this land that I know you really, really want, but you have to give me more money and you have to take me on a gay romp through Paris this summer. <laughs> and But they can't fall in love with each other, but you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like so, it's so fun and super steamy. So if you're looking for just like a really incredible, super fun um gay historical romance with really great banter and historical details. I mean, Adriana Herrera is just like at the top of her game when it comes to historical romance. And uh, this one's so fun. So that's An Island Princess Starts a Scandal by Adriana Herrera. And mine is A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Oh my God, we got some hot, hot follow-up. So I had my Redlands event last week. Thank you to all the glassers who came out for it. But I was really excited to see Roxanne, who has been a longtime glasser. And I was extra excited to see her because she was the one with the house sitter problem in a 
episode that we covered recently. And so I had to ask, I'm like, all right, we talked about it on the show. How did it all work out? And she looked at me and was like, my husband finally understood why I was so grumpy about someone touching my books because the house sitter borrowed his clothes. (laughs) I think this is so funny because one, I guess, I guess I will say follow up to the follow up. I maybe I will say maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was like because obviously this house sitter does not have good boundaries. Yes. Oh my god. I was Roxanne the looks so where annoyed. Was, where I was like, you know, I feel like I'm so easygoing that if someone borrowed my clothes, I'd be like, ah, it's okay. But like, there are certain shirts that are like really nice, and if you borrowed my clothes, like you need to take those to the dry cleaners afterwards, and they better not get anything on them, you know? Like, mm-hmm. but and that this is uh, this is amazing feedback. Um, I'm so sorry. And now, I mean, look. This is just not a good house sitter. This is not a good house sitter. And I think Roxanne didn't trust this house sitter from day one. It wasn't. The, and Roxanne was right. I think it was not the books it was as much as it was the house sitter. But that's my that's my mm-hmm. insight to this. I could be wrong, Roxanne. Um, but, uh, man, uh, yeah, barring someone's clothes without asking, it is, that is a big, big reach. Oh, my God. Roxanne, we've got your back. You were totally right. <laughs> So hopefully, the o- my only hope is that Roxanne, the only, like she got out of the situation that the next time they need someone to house it, her husband will have learned his lesson and put up some boundaries. Mm-hmm. That way no one will, t- will read Roxanne's pristine new releases and take his clothes. <laughs> uh, Aaron wrote in with some book skimming follow-up. This was our question where people, there were so many people who were like, I skim books. And we were like, who, what? How are you skimming all these books? Okay. Uh, so this is follow-up. Hi, I was listening to the most recent episode, and wow, I did not realize that this question is is skimming reading would be such a big topic. So to answer some of the questions covered by readers about this friend of mine who skims every book she reads, she and I are both autistic. She does not have dyslexia. I do, because that was one of our theories that maybe, like, a dyslexic person... Well, I feel like they'd have more trouble skimming. I don't remember what our theory was. Uh, she reads primarily fiction, but reads nonfiction occasionally, because that was our other theory, right, that this was nonfiction. Yeah, some people wrote in and were like, maybe she only reads nonfiction. Which, you know, I do a bit of skimming when it comes to nonfiction. And I, I believe the other people who are at the party skim sometimes, but it was just the one person who skims all the time. Okay, so we thought it was like all these people at this party were like, I just skim books. Like, we we didn't understand the question. I know, I thought this was the, like a secret meeting of the book skimmers. Like... <laughs> Okay, I see. So this person is autistic, reads primarily fiction, but nonfiction occasionally, and this person is the main skimmer. We still don't have an answer here. I know. We need to do an interview with the skimmer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess here's my question. What if they have like ADD or ADHD? Something. Because that I mean, could I'd, be like, I, although I feel like if that would make you like not skim, you would like read and then look somewhere else. So it would be like the opposite of skimming. I don't know. Yeah, we need to. Yeah, I think we need, I think to, we need, to, we need, it, we need to, to get straight to the source here with this one. But it is interesting that it has become such a topic in the Glasser community. Yes. Well, and I want to point out, it wasn't just Aaron who wrote it. We actually, we had someone write in and ask for a reader question. It, does skimming count as reading? So mm. it's not just this one person. Uh, listen, count I think we whatever need to you go straight to the source. Whatever, count whatever you want. But listen, if you are a skimmer, we want to hear from you. Uh, and then we got some follow up from Gloria, who said, "I was so shocked and excited hearing you read my wheelhouse out on episode three ten. Oh. Anyway, Katie Robert has tags for all her books that give readers an idea of what tropes or wherever 
are in the book and they are absolutely hilarious. That was our question because she included Katie Robert book tags and we were like, what does that mean? Uh, One of my bookish besties and I screenshot them to each other because they make us laugh. Uh, Here's one from Radiant Sin, the Cassandra Apollo retelling. Fake dating for spy reasons makes me cackle whenever I see it. So then I, I pulled some Katie Robert book tags from Katie Robert's website. One of them... So here, here's some is one is ki- kidnapping is a love language. I know I lied to you and gave you mediocre sex on purpose, but we're we're end game, baby. Heroine who's not afraid to shoot a man who betrayed her. Um, hero who's gone for heroin from the moment she pulls the trigger. I'm guessing killing you won't work, so I'm going to sleep with you instead for reasons. <laughs> Danger bang. Revenge and second generation mafia romance. Wow, these are so specific. very <laughs> funny, and I totally understand it now. I, we just had never heard of Katie Roberts, so we had no yeah. idea what, what was happening here. Wow, these feel like some things that maybe we should try to read, though. Mm-hmm. I know I gave, Agreed. I lied to you and gave you mediocre sex on purpose, but we're in game, baby. So that means later he's he or she is going to give the other person great sex. Is that what yes. it is? Okay, wow. I'm assuming. All right. Um, and then Emily wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is books about books, libraries, and bookshops. Such a glosser. Elderly people, usually widows or widowers, who are married to strong, remarkable women, trying to find their way way without them. Uh, World War II historical fiction. Uh, New York City historical fiction between 1900s and 1970s. Wow, I love how specific this is. Time travel and or a character who lives across centuries. Um, oh, that's interesting. I like that too. A character that just lives a long time. Uh, witches finding the patriarchy and folks hiking in the woods. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Amazing. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And a quick bookmark, folks, we are nine reviews away from me eating a sopapilla. So if you want a videoed, possibly Instagram live experience of Bria taking me out for my first sopapilla, we are nine reviews away from 1,500 on Apple Podcasts. So nine people out there wow. who listen to the show through Apple Podcasts and want to see me try a sopapilla for the first time, this is your moment. This is your time. This is it. You can rise wow. up, make a difference, get me to try a sopapilla. It's happening. Um, I also have a bookmark. Um, y'all have heard me rave about Liz Karen's Night's Edge, um, and she asked me to come and do an interview and talk to her about it at her release uh, at Skylight Books on uh, July 1st. So I'll be there the the evening of July 1st talking to Liz Karen here in Los Angeles about um, Night's Edge. It's a book I just really loved, and I think y'all will really love it too. And spoiler, it's on my best of the year next week. So uh, be sure to to come. Uh, I would love to see some glassers there, and um, I think y'all will really dig this book. So before we solve some little free library drama, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Green Chef, who is now owned by HelloFresh, which means a wider array of meal plans to choose from. We love switching between the brands. HelloFresh is great and Green Chef is also great. And now you can enjoy both of the brands at a discount. You can make more time for your summer goals with Green Chef's convenient step-by-step recipes ready in less than 30 minutes. Celebrate summer with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Now you can choose from 50-plus weekly recipes and market items with an option to mix and match meals in the same box without ever changing your plan. And... 
you can go to the Green Market. That's the one-stop shop for quick breakfast, brunches, wholesome lunches, and more you can easily add into your weekly order. Folks, we all know summer is delicious. Maybe you're looking at people's Instagram stories and you're looking at them going to the farmer's market and picking stuff out and everything looks so colorful and beautiful and you're like, I wish I could be like that, but I'm too stressed out and busy. Well, Green Chef has got you covered. They can deliver meals with those kinds of beautiful, delicious summer foods in them straight to you, all set up to cook, and uh, you'll be all set. And maybe you too can take a picture of it and put it online. You know that I don't like cooking. I'm very bad at it. But when, whenever we get our Green Chef packages in, it's so nice. They're all in these like little little paper bags with all like it's just so nice to be like, mm-hmm. okay, this is dinner. It, the entirety of dinner is it. decided. It is in this bag. I know it's going to be good. I know it's not going to take me too long to cook. So easy. And if you want to want to experience this easy deliciousness, you can go to greenchef.com slash glasses 60 and use code glasses 60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash glasses 60 and code glasses 60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Glasses. Glasses. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the extinction and de-extinction of the dodo, PowerPoint as an art form, and the history of Eurovision. Any questions? Uh, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. This week, we are solving some big Little Free Library dilemmas. We had two listeners write in with opposite problems, so we are going to figure them out. And the first is about whether or not it's okay to take a problematic book out of a Little Free Library and get rid of it. Maureen asks, if I look at my neighborhood's Little Free Library and find a problematic book, can I just take it to the trash 20 feet away and throw it in? The book in question appears to be some bullshit reinforcing toxic gender roles and has been criticized for promoting sex in a relationship as a husband's entitlement and being something that protects and enables abusers. Uh, I think it would be the good neighborly thing to do to make sure no one in my community is subjected to this book as a misleading way to have a good relationship. But throwing a book away isn't the best look. And as a book lover, there's a part of me that doesn't like the idea of throwing books in the trash. But this book belongs in the trash. So I am looking for your blessing to save my neighbors from this garbage book and any other garbage books I may find in my little free library. So, big debate. Uh What do we think? Bria, should she dump it in the trash? Listen, I'm fine with it. I'm okay with that. Look, I do think it's important to have all kinds of books, problematic books, horrible books. We need to have them accessible. I do believe in that. I don't think we should ban books. I think we should acknowledge they exist. I think they should be accessible for research in libraries for historic purposes. Um, I I just, like, want to be clear about that. But listen, this is your neighborhood, all right, Maureen? Like, you, uh, I don't, I, I think, like, this is your community, so you should have a say in what's available to the community in this in this public space, especially in a space where just anyone can 
come in without it being within a certain context. Um, I Listen, I think we're going to get some feedback from this, and that's fine. Y'all can have these opinions. Oh, I can have your opinions the, as well. Keyboards booting <laughs> up. But, like, if I saw a book that I was like, I don't know if, if like, I mean, there's certain books that, like, I own because they're, like, kind of funny, historical, like, weird books, you know, that I don't know if I would want to put, like, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus or something in a little free library because I'd be like, oh, what if, like, a teen girl got this and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. was like, oh, I have to live by these rules, you know, like, uh, or or the, wasn't there a book called The Rules? Remember that book? Where it was like, don't no. sleep with them on the first day, you know, like, it was like a rules for, anyway, no. things like that where I'm like, uh, I feel like this could be harmful for someone picking this up without any sort of context, you know? And the thing about a library is there is a librarian or somebody there to give you historical context if you wanted to talk to you about this kind of book if you if you want that information. There's also the internet. But anyway, I, I'm i okay with it. How do you feel, Mallory? Do you disagree? <laughs> so while it's not technically okay to decide what others should and should not read, and this is something I think we both are very much in agreement on, this is not an actual library. Right, it's not. This is a little free library. And if you're free to take whatever book you want, you're also free to take that book and do whatever you want with it. <laughs> It's like bookish civil disobedience. Okay. If, like if yeah. I saw a turfy book with harmful messaging about trans women in a little free library, I would probably grab it and throw it in the re- recycling. Is this technically okay? No. Would I do it anyway? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that like, you know what I mean? It's and all, but again, don't throw it in the trash, Maureen. Throw it in the recycling. Let it get a chance <laughs> to become a good book someday. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. Like, if I saw Mein Kampf in the in a little free library, <laughs> I'd be like, eh, maybe not. You know, like I don't know who's like what, like you know, child. Like anyone can take this book. Now, look, are we having these conversations in libraries? And there are a bunch of right wing people who are taking you know queer books and trans books out of libraries, like in the public library system. Yes, and am I mad about that? Yes. So, so some people may feel like we're talking out of both sides of our mouths, but. To me, but those are again. This is a huge difference. It's between a huge difference, of course. A library and a little free library. Oh, and also, I think there's a huge difference on what is, you know, hateful, dangerous language versus what is language that can actually help people realize who they are. You know, and is mm-hmm. is a truthful language. I so I think. Look, I don't think books that encourage you know anti-Semitism should be in a little free library, but I do want those to be in my library, public library. Not because I want to encourage anti-Semitism, but because I think it is very important to not forget that these kind of books exist. And because if we forget they exist and we forget that something, these horrible books, you know, influenced these things that happened within history, we could have, have them happen again. Like, so these are important books for us to know and study because people read them and they still get influenced by them. And And there's, you know, yeah, there's all sorts of horrible books out there. I just don't want them necessarily out there for someone who doesn't understand the context to pick them up. Yeah, I mean, if you are looking for a longer conversation about that particular point, I really highly recommend uh, the interview we did years ago now with our friends Ross and Carrie from Ono, Ross and Carrie, who are truly experts at reading books that from people that they do not agree with. And it's a, such a great interview. It was so great to have them on to talk about that stuff. Uh, they both have... They're both very brilliant people, and they had really great points about that. Um, And I agree. I think the only issue here with this is that, you know, it can get into a weird gray area fast, you know, as long as 
people aren't out there removing books from these little free libraries just because they don't like them. That's really yeah. the thing where I, I think uh, we need to start making. Yeah, like making I some see little here. women and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't like that book. Uh, but you know, I th- I see a lot of problems online and especially in the book reviewing space where let's say there's a book with a homophobic villain. It can like this book contains homophobia, but it's very clearly not the author condoning it. Like yeah, sure. literally the bad person in this book has this is uh is homophobic mm-hmm. um and some people are like well you know the author has this in the book they are condoning it that is not what's happening here let's have some media literacy uh but you shouldn't take that out of a little free library you know what i mean uh i'd say only grab a book that is very obviously and seriously condoning something bad like how to kick a kitten 101 not satire you know other than stuff like that that is like like especially non-fiction stuff like that it's not okay to decide whether other people can read. If you own the little free library, you can curate it however you oh, want, obviously. Sure. But if you don't, you should probably leave it alone unless you see something very vile in there that you think has the potential for harm. And it sounds like this book that Maureen is talking about is a nonfiction instructional book that has the potential for harm. And if you see that, again, it's a little free library. You can take it out and do whatever you want with it. That's yeah. not against the rules. Yeah. But just there are, uh, yeah, there are very few rules about the little free library. Really? Uh, It just reminds me of that friend of mine whose mother um, was so grumpy about people using the little free library in a way that she didn't like that she like installed a camera and a lock on it and like only let people in the neighborhood Facebook group have the um, the the code to the lot like just reminds me makes me really makes me laugh really hard it's just so silly but yeah again this could backslide pretty quickly just just make sure that you are looking at things in context and you know i like the uh, the the civil disobedience uh uh like this is definitely <laughs> we're not saying that part of the rules of the litter little free library is that you should personally go in and uh curate everything but um a little i think a little civil disobedience is is okay every so often mm-hmm. or all the time honestly <laughs> and you know as a as a historian, sometimes I have to read historical documents that are written by terrible people, but I'm using them to quote to show how bad they are. And if well, people got rid of them, then I would not be able to do that. It's I've I've shouted out this podcast uh, um, on the show, but um, there's a bo- a podcast called If Books Could Kill Podcast, and there's a lot of books on there that they t- they just take to task. But it's interesting because it's even books I've read and some books that I like, and um, they kind of get into like why they. It's a lot of like pseudoscience kind of books, you know, and it's like, oh, I mean, to use women are from Mars, uh, men are from Be- or men are from Venus, women are from- who's from where, who's from where? <laughs> women are from Venus, men are from Mars. Okay, if you use that one, uh, like they and they talk about it's it's interesting because that book has become such a cultural touchstone where there are things that we pull from that book and we say like, you know, men like to have their man cave or whatever, but that's. It's like made up bunk. Like it's just yeah, made up for this book. Crap. There's no like actual science behind it. And so like that kind of stuff, I think it is important to look at the books that we are reading and think about like, oh, here's something we consider knowledge that we, that just mm-hmm. is in a book. And then if you look at what science they use to back that up, there is no science there. So we have to have these because we are using them as, you know, this sort of like cultural knowledge that we all walk around. We're like, yes, of course, men are like this and women are like this. And like, no, there's actually no scientific like backing for any of the things in that book. That person was like, not even like they, they have like a PhD, but they don't really have a PhD. Like it's like a a wild 
book that is completely uh, false. So that's why I, I think, I mean, I'm with you. I think that we need to have these books to be available because we need to understand why they exist and the things that people, where we're getting this information from. But maybe not just in a little free library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, yes, sorry. I'm going on a bigger rant about libraries. Yeah, anyway, we have another question on the opposite side of things. Yes, so now... What if you are the one who wants to put something potentially controversial in the Little Free Library? Bria, you want to read this uh, this question? Yes. So <laughs> Steph writes in and says, Hi, I had a question about a little library near me that I hope you can help me with. There's only one little library in my town that I know of. It is, it is in front of a church near my house. I would like to put some books in it, but I'm worried that the books might offend people. The books are Atlanta Burns by Chuck Wendig and The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Both these books are really good, and I'm worried they might be a little too spicy for the <laughs> church's taste. I checked the church's website, and they didn't have any information about the little little library other than they had constructed it and where it was located. When I've looked in the little library, it also usually has children's books and some adult Christian literature. Also, it is a UCC church, if that matters. I'm not religious myself and haven't been in a church in decades. Would it be out of line to leave these books in this little library? I can imagine my neighbors speculating about some hooligan leaving satanic books <laughs> in the church library from Steph with satanic books. Mallory, what do you want to say to Steph? I mean, this is definitely something that I can relate to. I definitely feel like a le- weird little satanic gremlin all the time. Um, <laughs> but Steph, it's not like Steph is sticking the satanic Bible in there. <laughs> you know, these books are mainstream fiction. And as far as I know, neither of these books have been on any like banned book lists from Christian organizations. Plus, this is a UCC church. So I don't think they're going to be like grabbing the Grady Hendrix books and putting them in a pile and setting them on fire. You know, that's just really not their not their energy. I just don't think her neighbors are going to be like watching her and be like, there's the evil gremlin woman with her terrible books. You know, I don't know enough about a UCC church. It's like one of the one of the church denominations. I did some research on this because I didn't know either. It was it's one of like the cooler churches. It's like Ooh. more they're a little more accepting of like LGBTQIA plus mm. rights and stuff like that. So it's like a little a little cooler. Okay, okay. Um, I think they might take it out. I, even if they are cool, someone may go over there and be like slaying vampires like they're not they're not gonna but don't don't hold on don't christian people love slaying vampires (laughs) isn't like that a big part of the thing uh i don't think that's like in the bible or anything is that what you think but they use you use crosses and holy water you would think christians would be like fuck yeah we're slaying vampires it's like one of the coolest parts i would just i think that is the main perk of being in a part of a church is that you have power over demons and vampires that's like the main thing Yes, I mean, that to do an exorcism, that's the dream. Um, I'm just going to say, uh, Steph, um, I, just know that Mallory and I just told someone they could take books out of it. So that's the know, other thing. That, that applies to all these people. And so someone could very easily trash your book. I think you should take that into account. Um, and maybe consider other places that might do good for your community yes. or another community that you want to be involved in, like the library, the local school, an after-school program, a literacy program, uh, a Books for Prisoners program. I, I I don't know where you and your satanic books are living, but if you if your cool <laughs> books might get tossed, like maybe find a place that might appreciate them, you know? Or could we introduce you to Maureen and y'all do a book exchange where she, oh, Maureen yeah. takes stuff out of that little free library, sends them to you, and you send Maureen books. I don't know, just saying. This could be perfect. Yeah, I just feel like most churches 
aren't going to notice or care. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, especially, uh, you know, churches that are, are in areas that aren't like super ritzy. They just I don't know if they have the the people power to like assign someone to check on the little free library constantly. Yeah, but if there's more than like, you know, I mean, I bet if it's getting used a lot. I could see people getting in an uproar. Now, like, this is me being raised in, like, you know, Southern Baptist churches, so I have no idea. Like, but, uh, I mean, definitely that would cause, like, an uproar to have a... You think? I mean, again, I am speaking totally as an outsider. We all... I don't need to tell you folks how uh, how distant I am from the world of Christianity. I don't... I've never even been to church. Um, but I just, I don't know. I feel like, like maybe if she's sticking gargoyle erotica in there, someone would be like, wow, Hey, this is kind of weird. But like Atlanta burns by Chuck Wendig. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel that like it's a sci-fi book, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, I mean, listen, take, I think we're, I'm, we're both just, I'm just saying there's a risk. There's a risk there that someone's going to take it out. And I don't know, I think you could, and you won't ever know is kind of the problem. Unless that there's some sort of Unless she sets up a, a little cam. <laughs> Put your own little cam. <laughs> that, that would be kind of cool, but also so creepy. <laughs> or you could put one of those things, uh, t- a tile. Um, oh, to see where it went? Just to track it, which would also be so creepy. Okay, don't do oh, that. Man, that's a great so, idea for a thriller. That's so illegal, like, to, like, track so a book and see where it went. No, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're certainly allowed to put anything you want in there. Like we said, you can put anything you want, but that someone, it is a community property, so someone can take it and literally put it in the trash. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I think that I'm getting hung up on, like, these two books in particular, which, like, Grady and Chuck are both friends of the show. Like, sure, sure, sure. I don't see anything in their and who they are or their books that would tip like be I don't know evil in some way but again if you're I I really think for us my my big thing with both of these questions this whole thing is I think you have to think about your goals for these books you know if you just want to find a new home for a book that you don't want anymore a little free library is a good place for it because instead of putting in in recycling someone might grab it and, and really like it but if you're worried about putting a little free library a book in a little free library and it's getting removed you just need to find another avenue for it if you mm-hmm. if there's like you want a specific type of person who uh might need this book to get it you need to put it the book in that person's direct path you know you can mail it to a prison reading program you can bring it to a shelter there's a lot of other places i, I think Something that happens a lot with little free libraries is because they have the word library in their title that people put a lot more social importance on them than they should have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a public service, but it's not like a direct one. It's the take a penny, leave a penny of the book world. You wouldn't donate money to a take a penny dish. You know what I mean? Sure. Like same with the taking books out. Like if you care enough to remove harmful books from your little free library, remember you can do even more good for your local bookish community by showing up to public library meetings to protest against book banning. You know, it just, uh, because they're so accessible to people, I think that a lot of uproar and like a lot of drama is around little free libraries. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's kind of a straw man, a straw book, a straw library. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I just think that's not the thing that we should be focusing on. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was going to say, I think like with any free and publicly available thing, it's not going to fit your needs 100%. Like that's the answer Mm -hmm. for both of these. If you want to see them change, you need to be an active part of that. 
Um, and like Mallory said, this is like something we're all talking about right now. Like we need like just being a voice in your community is important and not everyone is going to agree with you. And that's the way community works. Mm-hmm. It's good and bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I, I think if people care enough to, to, to think about this stuff, you should be taking that care to a place where it can do a little bit more good. Same with maybe your books. You should be putting them in a place that can do a little bit more good. And if you don't care and you're just trying to get rid of them, that's fine. Um, but I, I, I think our ultimate ruling is that you are free to put in books and take out books, but, you know, look at them in context. Uh, I don't think there is a total blanket rule on, on all books, you know, or putting them in or taking them out. I think you should uh, have to, to consider them a little bit. And, uh, like, I've definitely, there's definitely been things where I'm like, hey, this book is super spicy, but a lot of kids take books from this, this little free library. Maybe I should not put that in there. Sure. Um, you just have to have, have to think about things a little bit. But uh, we encourage bookish civil disobedience. <laughs> uh, but you also should be um, trying to do good in your community in other places. Yeah. If, if you're worried about this stuff. So you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we solve a traveling Libby problem, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Pear Eyewear. Bria, can I tell you about something that really exciting that happened to me this week? Please. So one of my hockey teams is currently in the final. And we were so excited because we got to go see them play. They came to Palm Springs. And they're the feeder team for my NHL team, who I have a lot of merch from because I love hockey. And so when we went to the game, I was able to pop my NHL hockey capitals uh, cover over my glasses so I could have hockey glasses very for the night. Very cute. Very, and very after- cute. And then when we were done and we went home, I took them off. It is so cool. I got pear eyewear. I got these really cool blue cat eye kind of lenses. And I got all these different covers on them so I can turn them into sunglasses. I can turn them into hockey glasses. I can turn them into glasses with little skulls and flowers on them whenever I feel extra goth. It's so cool. So you can match your outfit. You can support your home team. Hopefully the Washington Capitals, the greatest hockey team of all time. Uh, Or you can represent your favorite superhero in a snap. It is so awesome. Yeah, you can see better for longer with Pear Eyewear's variety of lenses options for every prescription, including transition, progressive, or blue light blocking lenses. And for every pair you buy, Pear provides glasses and vision care for a child in need, which is amazing. So maybe you are a person who likes to wear a lot of colors. You love to show off your nerdiness. You love to show off your pride. That's right. They have a whole line of pride glasses covers. It is fantastic. It's just so much fun to be able to have the same pair of glasses, but be able to switch up the colors or the pattern, or even if they're sunglasses or not. It it was just so much fun. If you go on my Twitter right now, you can see a picture of me with the Capitals Mm -hmm. glasses. I was very thrilled about it. Uh, And so you can express yourself wherever summer takes you with Pear Eyewear. You can go to PearEyewear.com slash glasses for 15% off your first pair. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, Eyewear.com slash glasses. 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 Parenting. It's hard, but don't worry. You're not alone. Belly up to the low bar with one bad mother and let us remind you that fine is good enough. They want to climb on different things. And how am I supposed to keep them both from dying? (laughs) There is a right way to do this. 
And if I can figure out that right way, I'm going to be a good parent. So that is not a thing. So join us each week and let us tell you that you are doing a good job. You can listen to One Bad Mother on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Time to look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. This week, we're solving a book tech problem from Kimberly. Kimberly says, Brian Mallory, I enjoyed the which books to bring on vacation episode. But I have a question. Is there a way to use Libby when you don't have a connection? I've noticed a couple times in a dead zone, I can't listen to my audiobooks. Is there a way to fix this? Bria, what do you do when you want to listen to Libby auto- audiobooks on vacation on the go? I don't know if I haven't set for this, but it looks like mine just automatically download on to Libby. Maybe you're using it on a on an iPad. I use mine on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know that if I'm using Libra.fm on my phone, I have to be on like good Wi-Fi to download a book. I can't just download it anywhere, which actually has been a problem because I'm like, oh, I want to listen to this. And it's like, you're not on Wi-Fi. Uh, maybe that's the same for Libby. Libby, maybe you need to get it before you go on vacation and make sure it downloads. You can't like pick it out while you're on vacation and then try to listen to it because it may not stream. But I think you just need to download it. I, th- I think yeah, that's, that's... But I don't have I to think, press an extra button to download. Do you? Uh, I have to make sure sometimes. And oh, that's okay. what I think might be happening. So if I was Kimberly, what I would do is before I left the house, and I, I do this with a, with a bunch of things actually because I live in the mountains and... Uh, I don't get service most places up here. I I download things and then I test them out. Like, so if I was Kimberly, I would pick out, preload my books, down, make sure they're downloaded, and then turn my phone on airplane mode and see if they work. Mm, okay. Good idea. I would I would test it out. Because and this might be what happens to Kimberly is sometimes I have things set to download and then I like... M- like uh you know saunter out of the house on my merry way and then i look down and it didn't fucking download and i'm so Mm -hmm, pissed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this happens with spotify sometimes like i will download a playlist and then i go to listen to it in my garage which gets no wi-fi and i'll and then it won't play and i'm like what the fuck libra fm has happened to me too where i thought i downloaded a book and it'd be like book was not downloaded i'm like oh no so that's what i think kimberly needs to do is Load them up, pre-download them, and then before you leave, test them out because sometimes technology is funny, and I think that's little, what's happening is here. Yeah, a little pre-house test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably it makes me real grumpy because nothing mm-hmm. is worse than when you like you're like, oh yeah, I'm going on a long car trip by myself, and you're loaded up with audiobooks and podcasts and playlists, and then you get on the road and you realize they didn't actually download. And yeah, for me. Worst. Where, like, I do not get service from our house all the way 45 minutes down the mountain until we are, like, in, you know, in on the highway. So I'm like, man, I just have to listen to my own thoughts for 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh-uh, baby. I need constant, I need something constantly in my brain so I'm not thinking. Yeah. Uh, so, Kimberly, try this out. Anyone else who has this problem, test it out before you leave the house. And then give us a follow-up, Kimberly. See if, uh, see if this helps you out. So if you have ideas for book tech that you want us to test out or book tech problems to solve, you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. So we have a massive, massive backlog of recommendation requests, literally years. I think the document of all our book recommendation requests is 100 pages long right now. But every once in a while... 
I bump up a request <laughs> up the list because it is so good. And this is one of them. And it's also follow up. I sent this to Bria because I was freaking out. So remember, last year, two of the 2022 Reading Glasses Challenge winners happened to be living in the same town. Mm -hmm. And when they sent in their challenges, I just noticed, I was like, wow, these two people seem like they would be friends. Like they have a lot of the same We assumed they were friends. I was like, they must be friends. They're just friends who listen to the show. Yeah. And so I emailed them both separately because I didn't want to be creepy. And I was like, hey, just want to let you know that one of the other winners is in your town. Do you want to meet this person? They both said yes. So I email introduced to them. And well, they sent this email. (laughs) Do you want to read this email, Bria? Sure. Hey, Bria and Mallory, Dana and Allison, here writing together since we wanted to update you on our meetup since it's been a few months since you connected us. Since March, we've been emailing back and forth so much that we had to start a new chain when the old one broke and meeting up for bookish hangouts and sharing cat pictures. You were right that we have similar tastes in books. And our first hangout, we went to a bookstore and picked out books for each other. For our second book date, we went to a local indie bookstore, The Raven, for Indie Bookstore Day and grabbed brunch together. We also like to ask each other questions each week when new RG episodes come out. That's very cute. Like, if we're mood or seasonal readers, we want to thank you for getting us together because we've become fast friends. It's wild that we grew up in the same area and have so much in common but never knew about each other until RG connected us. It's nice to have a bookish friend in the area since neither of us had that before. Here's our I'm joint, dying. joint dying. wheelhouse. Uh, boats, spaceship count, spaceship scout, LGBT everything. Uh, character-driven books, both of our, our doorways are character. Time travel, found family, secret societies, and cozy SFF. We're uh, currently doing a buddy read of Howl's Moving Castle, which we're following up with a watch of the movie. Do you have any recommendations for a book we could read together after? Thank you again for connecting us and for doing reading glasses, Allison and Dana. It's so cute. Uh, Six years of doing the show is worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Just for this particular email. Oh, my God. Uh, Also. What do you have for them? I forgot to, I I think I forgot to say anything or post about it, but, oh my God, yeah, I completely forgot. Last Thursday was our six years of doing this show. Oh, wow. Congratulations six years to us. Of, oh, congratulations to us. Congratulations to Dana and Allison. <laughs> oh my God. So uh, possibly my favorite recommendation request of all time. So I'm going to recommend a character-driven, gay, cozy fantasy book which hits on a few of the wheelhouse things actually it's two books because it's a novella duology and we all love short books to read in groups um but the first novella in the duology is called silver in the wood by emily tesh and it is about a man who works as a guardian for a magical forest and he's very content with his life and his cottage and his cat until a handsome man moves into town and upends everything including all his secrets and it is it just sounds so up their alley. And again, it's so fun to do a novella read with another person because it's like very low pressure, very easy and quick and fun. And there's two if they want to, if they like it, they can do the other one. So I think uh, it'd be a good fit. Bria, what do you think they should read? You know what? I'm going to say, yeah, spaceships are kind of boats. I love that. <laughs> they this... are totally, they're and the I boats like, of I the I feel like spa- probably the... one of them likes spaceships and one likes boats. So they did boats. So they were like, you know, like, like spaceships are boats, but boats are they're not the boats of the sky. You know? Uh, exactly. Um, I wanted to recommend Cameron Hurley, who I feel like I haven't recommended in a minute. Uh, maybe you've already read her books. I don't know. Um, I think maybe The Light Brigade might be an interesting one. It's um, time travel. has a time travel element, a space element, a queer element. It's not as cozy as some other... It's not very cozy, but it is fun Mm-mm. science fiction uh, with a big bad corporation, and I think it could be a really fun one. Yeah, and the, Cameron's books are so... Um, 
chewy in that way that like there's a lot to talk about that I think uh, would be a really good co-read. And particularly uh, this one because the main character, I believe the main, main character is like never gendered. So you like, there you can kind of, it's an interesting book to kind of figure out who you think the main character is. And like, it's it's a very interesting read. Oh, well, Allison and Dana, hope you're having a great bookish spring together. It is truly our honor to have introduced you. I This is oh, just so lovely. Uh, but that my recommendation is Silver in the Wood by Emily Tesh. And mine is Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. So if you want us to solve your reader problem or uh, answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, if you want to look hot and bookish, which I guess is redundant, uh, you can buy Reading Glasses merch over at our Void merch store. There are stickers and totes and shirts and pillows and journals and all kinds of cool stuff. There's a link in the show notes for that. And if you like the show and you want me to eat a sopapilla, nine of you have to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcast listening app of your choice. But we're uh, tallying the Apple Podcast ones for the sake of a sopapilla. Uh, please, nine of you. There's not, it has to be nine of you out there who listen to the show on Apple Podcasts who have not reviewed it yet. Please, it's really great for us. Helps us reach more readers and eat more sopapillas. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.